Howdy folks, this is the shit that physios need to know and I'll be your host for this podcast. My name's Nick Marshall and with me is Dr. Josh Carter. So let's get into it. Okay, so this week we're going to cover the topic which is sports coverage and uh, with me as always is Dr. Josh Carter. Good morning. Um, And uh, yeah, we're going to cover on a little bit of whether to volunteer your time um, or not, what sports coverage means to you and how that can potentially build a list, um, but how some of the actions I think that we take might all actually sort of deteriorate our professional standing. So we'll kick it off, and we'll kick it off because this was actually sent in to us uh, by a colleague who, and I won't mention who they are, but they they had concerns or they had a friend that had concerns that um, part of their work set up was that they would volunteer or at least make themselves available for sports coverage on a Saturday. It formed, I'm not sure if it formed part of their paid hours or it was on top of their paid hours. Um, but we constantly get asked this question. We constantly, I guess as a business owner, there's sports that you want to cover, you want to cover to try and build a list. But then there's also reasons behind, I think, getting paid or not getting paid. So I'll bring you in, Josh. Bring me in, bring me in. So this is a good one, I like this one, because it's a little bit uh, a little bit personal to me, I suppose. But I think the general gist, isn't it, that if you are uh, at university doing a physio degree, you're probably in the 80% of people that want to work in private practice. Would you Would you agree? You know, from my year certainly was probably 80% of people wanted to do private practice. Yeah, I, I think that's probably... Um... I reckon that's what's happening. I reckon that's probably the way that physio is, is going. I reckon when I first studied, that was almost a dirty word to sort of say that you were going straight into private practice, but I think the vast majority now are heading that way, definitely. Mm. And often with private practices, there's, a, there's obviously quite a dense population of practices on the Gold Coast, and Gold Coast being quite a, a small sporting community, um, or a big sporting community rather, lots of uh, opportunities there where private practices align themselves with sporting clubs. Like you said at the start, whether to generate a list or, uh, you know, sort of tap into a, a client base. But I, I want to talk about, I suppose, an interesting situation. I've written a little story out for myself here. Okay, so I, start, I did my level one sports training when I was 16 uh, and started working for some AFL clubs in Brisbane. And as a 16-year-old, I was getting paid 20 bucks an hour, all right, which is pretty bloody awesome as yep. a 16-year-old. That is good money as a 16-year-old. My, my scope and my responsibilities were to stick an ice pack on a sore knee. Obviously, level one sports training, you, get, you do get to go through your basic spinal, cervical spine, uh, log roll. But realistically, you know, as anyone that's done that level one sports training course, they say, if you're not comfortable, you just leave them on the field, you know, um, you know, and, and support their head and neck till the ambulance gets there. And I had to do that once. And that was the most extreme thing I've ever done. Probably still touch wood to this day. Um, and, you know, my scope there was I didn't actually have to do any notes. I didn't have to follow up. I didn't have a career that could be affected by necessarily a poor outcome. Um, the level one sports training and you know, Good Samaritan Act, you know, is fairly strong in terms of, I suppose, medico legal support for sports training. So before I graduated, uh, I started sports training, you know, throughout my physio degree as well. And uh, I was getting paid roughly about 60 bucks a game and it was probably three hours work. So even as a physio student, it was still about 20 bucks an hour. And 
that's not not too bad either. You know, a little bit of bit of casual casual money, perhaps it is a little bit of a cash in 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 the pocket. Not not confirming or denying whether that was my situation on uh, on radio, so to speak, but could have been. And then I started working as a physio. So I started with you guys working in the clinic. Uh, there was a local AFL club around here on the coast where I offered my time twice a week for free. So instantly, in hindsight. I was less qualified, <laughs> I was uh, young, inexperienced, getting paid 20 bucks an hour to do a similar job. And then as soon as I was a physio, had done six years of study, I started charging nothing for my time. Uh, where the responsibility and perhaps the medical legal ramifications were a lot more significant in terms of uh, my career. So just upon reflection I find that pretty interesting and then basically my roles there included organizing other sports trainers to to cover um, some weekend games organizing the stocks and supplies for the medical kit and then in the clinic I'd offer a 25% discount for players as well um, and this was while I was on a commission um, I think from from memory when I was looking up the stats <clears throat> basically over the year let's just say the the first year I did it I probably billed out 5k five grand for uh, for, for patients from this sports club so on the commission it works out at about 2k for me over the year personally which you kind of look at that and you go two grand extra two grand a year that's pretty cool got to work with some sports that's not yeah, that's not bad Essentially though, if we break that down a little bit further, that's about a hundred bucks per round and per round is about six hours work all up, including the, the trainings in the week and, and the games and the stock and all that sort of stuff. So essentially, really, I could have worked another one and a half hours in the clinic, seen another three private patients and earned the same money instead of doing the six hours work, giving my time away and getting paid, you know, billing for two grand a year. So it's an interesting thing. I mean... I probably am giving a bad impression partly because I sound quite jaded and I am concentrating obviously on the monetary gain side of things and you know when I was doing it I enjoyed it I won't lie it was fun you get to hang out with the boys in the AFL club and you know you, you are learning skills you're refining skills you're getting to practice some techniques and assessment so um, don't get me wrong there's value in it I don't necessarily regret it but I think the biggest thing for me that I would take out of that is that transition from being a 16 year old sports trainer getting paid 20 bucks an hour to as soon as I graduated as a physio being more than willing to give up my time for free. What are your thoughts? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, look, this is, I guess, maybe every older physio's uh, biggest bugbear with the profession. And, and, you know, we talked to Troy, my business partner in this uh, business about this. You, You'll be at a <clears throat> sporting event. You'll be the most qualified person there. You'll be doing it for free. Someone will come in and clean the poor to lose and they're getting paid 50 bucks an hour. Um, and everyone around you is getting paid except you. Except you. Yep. Um, and yet you're, as well as not, you know, as well as being qualified and whether you're the most qualified or not, but as well as being qualified, doing the job that you're qualified to do, you're also have significant risks involved, not just for you individually, but for the profession. And so one of the things, I mean, there's so many things I could kind of talk about here. I, it's a, it's an inherent physio problem where, you know, to do I volunteer, do I not volunteer? And then you'll hear people, and I'll be one of them at some point, that'll say, well, you volunteer if there's going to be a direct return of 
of investment. So a direct return somehow, whether that's, you know, like you said, with the team, that meant that you were the team physio. But unfortunately, even as you found, <clears throat> not everyone in the team came and saw you. And then we further discounted the team when they came in. So in the end, you're treating at a discounted rate, so you take less of a percentage of a discounted session. That's still treatment time that you're giving up. So when you add up, <clears throat> pardon me, the treatment time plus the money that you've earned, you know, it, it's not that good. Um, and the other thing is, I guess, you know, as a professional, you're working on the weekends, do you have a, you know, a loading rate or, you know, extra time off, all sorts of things. So, um, I, you know, I know we've said it before on this podcast, sometimes there's not the right or the wrong answer, there's the answer that suits you best. Um, I do think that physio as a profession needs to move away from giving away their services. My biggest fear for this is that the people that give away their services are the people that need the experience. And you can be on a local sports field, see somebody, you know, you are there as a volunteer, it's, it's, it's amazing, but you don't necessarily get the diagnosis right or the job doesn't go well. Um, and one of my bugbears with physio is simply that people won't necessarily judge you as the individual, they'll judge the whole profession based on what you did. You know, you can see a GP and have a bad experience and you'll ring up and try and see a different doctor. You have a bad experience with a physio, physio's dead to you and you try something else. So that's where I'm, 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 I'm torn, really torn in terms of giving away your time um, because the people that don't give away their time are the people that you want, you know, attending to your child or you if you're playing sport. So it's a tough one. And I, I think you need to talk to your employer about that. I've, I've seen instances where there's been new grads sitting on sports fields, they're in charge of almost four different fields, they're the physio for four different games. Um, there's, you know, there's very little other support there. Everyone is looking to them. The 16-year-old sports trainer who's getting paid is looking at the volunteer physio to, to guide them as to what to do. Um, and then that, that physio just gets completely burnt out and cooked because they've got all this responsibility and, and, and they're not enjoying it. So it's a tough one. Um, so you're sort of saying it's a skills mix paradox really it's the you would rather yourself as a 20-year veteran physio titled sports physio that's down at the club that has done a whole bunch of training has lots of experience in in a, a high level sporting team to be there as opposed to the new grad who's just come out of uni maybe skills aren't as refined or certainly assessment diagnostic skills not as refined perhaps acute sports emergency management not as refined yet that's the population of people that typically is at the sporting ground on the weekend and 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 when you put it out like that that sounds concerning but also like you're touching on it probably speaks to the greater problem in physio is that are you going to go down on saturday for free and volunteer your time or are you going to charge a club you know 50 bucks to go down yeah and and that's right and i, I think probably not uh, no no probably not um <laughs> No, and that, that's the problem, and that, that's the issue, and I think the hardest part about local sport is that um, if, you know, if you work in elite sport, you've got a very, very set boundary and rules, and you just stay in your lane and do your area incredibly well, and you're in charge of just this. And if I use the NRL as an example, where I'll be working in, in that sort of world, you, you'll see the doctors that just specialise in concussion. Their world is that concussion. You know, you have the physio that runs on, that'll do the assessment. Um, and, you know, people with water and instructions and all sorts of different bits and pieces. But when you're at the local sports ground, you're everything. And you're, you're looked at as 
the central person that needs to give advice on everything and that's where it goes bad and you're right I think that's where you want someone with experience but you need to pay for that and you see that and you read horrendous stories of sort of like medical emergencies because it's it's some volunteer at a sports ground and if you're volunteering your time and somebody's had a you know gigantic facial fracture and there's blood and teeth and everything uh, and you're the, the only kind of medical person at the ground, it's, it's a traumatic thing. And one physio colleague I know has been through that as a student and, and very much has been turned away from sport now in that setting. You know, loves treating sports people in the clinic, but not necessarily, you know, sports physio in and on the field. So it's really tough. I, I, I mean, I'd love to be able to say this is what the answer is and I've got a theory on what can improve it, but it probably needs to come from the top. It's probably a, an APA run thing that should be you know if you have a physio on the side of the field they need to be paid this in the same way that we've we've almost got to that with a sports trainer we know that there's some legalities around that um, I certainly think we shouldn't be paid less than a sports trainer who's in attendance you know you can get your level one sports trainer almost straight away by signing some papers with a physio degree so you're as qualified as they are in all those aspects so you know it should be transferable in that way but it shouldn't be for free. I, th- I think there needs to be a fee. And um, and I get it as a business owner. I'd love a physio to be enthusiastic to go down and then get their face in front of people and generate a list. That'd be fantastic. But I still think that needs to be a paid role. Mm. And and putting your, your practice owner hat back on, you know, we know that there's some uh, larger chain practices around Australia, particularly on the Gold Coast, that, that are affiliated pretty closely with a number of sporting clubs. And... Um, I think the the case that was suggested was talking about that association between uh, working in a clinic but part of your role, whether it is paid or or not paid, not entirely sure on that. Often I believe it probably does come under a bit of a paid branch as if it was clinic hours, but not always. Um, You know, that association, how does it benefit a business? Because obviously there's got to be a benefit to you as a business owner or, or a business in general. So... Yeah, look, I guess it, um, as a business owner, you're trying to get your staff in front of new people, you know, and you're trying to get their reputation and personality out there so people understand it, so people aren't ringing up and just requesting a certain physio. If they ring up and they're a part of one of those teams, they ring up for that physio. So it starts to build their list. So it's, it's good, um, I guess it's good business principles in that regard. And, you know, like we said at the very, very start, we, know, we both know physios, um, who built practices just purely around footy clubs or, or, or sporting clubs where that was their their go-to market. And, and I think the person that we're talking about uh, who, who wrote in is very much discussing that. I think it formed part of their role to cover this sporting team. I guess um, it does, it will hopefully generate business. The difficulty sometimes is in a semi-professional to fully amateur sport, the the athlete or the player has can go and see their own physio. You know they're not obliged. There's not a, a, a I guess a ruling that you must see this physio. So you can spend and you've experienced this yourself hours with a team of 20, 30 you know boys, girls, guys um, or players, and only three or four end up actually seeing you as an individual. And so from a business perspective, I guess it, the devil's in the detail. You know if you could somehow get it so that that in entire team has to access you which happens at obviously at elite sport certainly I think it makes it easier for coaching staff and 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 parents and everyone to know that we're all seeing the same person we're all talking the same language sometimes trying to get that message across 
seems like you're doing a hard sell. You know, it seems like, oh, they just want us to see them. But, you know, we've experienced ourselves where people will see multiple providers and they'll be using a different language. They'll be using tears and strains and sprains and grade ones and threes and their definition isn't the same as your definition. Coaches are getting confused. Why is he back after a grade three strain? This person is back, you know, can't run for the rest of the year with a grade one tear or something. So I think when it's one person and there's that nice communication, it's easier. Um, and I think it's a better result for the team. But sometimes, like I said, that, that seems like a hard sell. Um, I know at an amateur sport level, the coach is probably not paid. No one's paid. Um, but I guess, as we touched on earlier, the coach is going to go back to his actual full-time occupation. If he does something wrong coaching, it's not going to affect his generally, unless it's something really bad or criminal, it's not going to affect his day-to-day job. Whereas if things go bad for us, it will have a knock-on effect. Absolutely. And and that's, I think, the the issue that I have with, our, with us volunteering time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I suppose the other thing to, to think about it, and you touched on it before, is the, the benefits of doing sports coverage as whether you're a new grad or moving through a, a sports-focused sort of uh, interest, um, which I have, obviously. I mean, you can't deny that the, there's benefits that come out of it um, in terms of, like we said, those diagnostic skills, the, I think quick thinking skills, um, you know, that on-field assessment, is the player staying on, is the player coming off? And you need to make that decision in probably under 30 seconds. I remember distinctly working for an AFL club that had a really good fit out, um, really good fit out. They had two physio coverages and three or four sports trainers per game. A very, you know, sort of, it was really well done. Uh, Not sure who was getting paid. I wasn't. Um, But... uh, but there was a player, I went on to see them, they, they were injured, uh, unsure, I don't remember what it was, let's call it an ankle, they were limping around, I said, right, we've got to get off, you're limping, you can't walk on it, he wanted to stay, there was a little bit of back and forth between me, he stayed on, kind of hobbled around for another five minutes, eventually the coach pulled him off, I've run back to the sideline and got my proverbial torn out because I didn't get the player off the field, and you know, again, that in itself is, is really challenging because I tried, not for lack of trying, I said, you need to come off, he, mm. he didn't want to. Well, I'm not going to drag him off the field. So, you know, even just at that level, you're getting sort of, you know, some really good, I don't even know what you call it, bargaining skills or, or, or stamping your authority, I suppose, yeah. being assertive. There's the, all that level of things that can come around that probably benefits you in clinic, uh, in clinic, you know, treatment. Not that I'm necessarily yelling at people to get off the table or something in the clinic often, but... Um, you know what I mean? There, yeah. there is benefits to it. Yeah, definitely. Oh, there absolutely is. And I think that's the hardest thing in sport is it's really difficult <clears throat> to demand a fee for your service if you've got no experience in that service. So, you know, and where where do you start with that one? How do you get experience if there's nowhere to get experience? But, um, I mean, that also lends itself, that story, to the fact that if you're there as a volunteer and you're having a crap experience, you're getting yelled at by the coaches, the, the players aren't respecting you, it's pretty easy at the end of one or two games to go, well, why am I doing this? Like, mm-hmm. I'm not respected, my opinion's not respected by the players, I've got the coach yelling at me, I'm doing this for free, and why am I, why am I doing this? Well, you know, keep doing it. You know, if the player's not going to come off because I think they should come off, are they really going to ring up and call in to come and see me? So, the, the, it, yeah, it, it kind of talks to a whole range of issues, which I think are better... Um, handled <clears throat> when you sign up at the start. So 
<coughs> if I sign up at the start and you're the, the sole physio, pardon me, you're the sole physio that everyone's going to see, then there's an instant level of respect that that's what we're going to come on. If you, you, know, we, you talk and address the team as a group and say, look, if I come on, I'm going to, you, know, you have to trust my opinion that we're going to come off. Whereas when you just rock up at a game, they don't really see your training, they don't really know you. Um, yeah, they're not going to listen to you. They're probably more likely to listen to a friend or a parent than they are to you. So, <clears throat> pardon me. It, it is a really difficult situation, and I um, I feel for some of those physios who are in that first probably five years of their degree <clears throat> that feel the need to do it, don't really know what they're doing, um, but but feel like oh, this is what I have to do because this is what this is the pathway that I need to be on. Sorry, I got something caught in my throat. You do, <clears throat> but um. I guess the other thing too is that, and we, we touched on it then, is that, and I always say this to students, is I think the best physios in our area, in sports and, and you know, whether you call this musculoskeletal or in the clinic, are those physios that, that are formulating a, you know, a one or two question subjective as they're running on. They've seen the injury, so they've got an idea of mechanism of injury. They've seen the injury, they're going to ask one or two questions, do one test, and make a decision when the player stays on or goes off. So it's that real quick thinking that you don't just get, you can't just come from 20 years in the clinic and then decide, yeah, I can do that. So it, it's like anything, you need to train it, you need to be good at it. How do I get that if I'm gonna to have to volunteer my time? So this is where I kind of feel like it's a, you know, there needs to be almost a foothold for physios and a, and a, and a standing within clubs and the APA as an, as an understanding that, no, no, to have a physio as part of your team, there is a fee, cost this, um, and and away you go. You know, like I said earlier, if sports trainers are getting paid twenty dollars an hour and you can be sixteen to be that, then there needs to be a knock on effect for what we do as well. Absolutely. <clears throat> and I think one of the, the good take home messages from me is that basically when you're a physio student or an exercise science student or, or a student in general, that I think it's okay to do stuff for free. You know, I, I certainly you're learning. So you're not a professional yet. Definitely not in a, in, as a physiotherapist. So uh, I think it's totally fine to give yourself up for free um, and, and do find those opportunities where you will learn those skills, where you will start to develop some of that, that thinking, that quick thinking. Um, get your name out there early as a student even, you know, get associated with a club so that when you come along to a job interview, you can say, well, I've actually been volunteering my time at ex-footy club, you know, I know a couple of guys down there, and you as a business owner go, oh, okay, hang on, this guy's got access to a potential caseload you know, case straight off the bat. <clears throat> so I think from, from that point of view as a student, um, that's an awesome thing to do, but, you know, once you graduated, my jaded advice now would be do nothing for free, and that doesn't mean that you need to be paid $100 an hour, certainly not, but it means you need to be paid something for it, and and I think that's, you know, you, my boss, other boss, and your business partner, Troy, is quite big on that. Had a conversation about the Commonwealth Games uh, with, with Troy, and I said, oh, you know, I'm, I'm volunteering up at the pool. It's pretty exciting. Got a gig up there. It's really good. And he goes, what are you doing that for? And I was like, oh, it's Commonwealth Games. And I was like, what? I, wouldn't you want to do that? He goes, no. Why would I volunteer my time? And at first, I was like, oh, you know, it's Troy. It's just been a bit grumpy. That's all right. But thinking back over it now, yeah, as a 20, 25 year experienced physio, if you've got not a, an acute burning desire to go stand around a pool or whatever sport, 
you've done that before, you've done all of that before, Troy has done all that before, why would you volunteer your time for free to, to do it again when it doesn't benefit you in any way? And that probably brings me to my other point, is that unless doing something for free is gonna really significantly help your career, you know, um, I'm gonna give up my time at that footy club because the, uh, you know, the talent ID guy for the Gold Coast Suns works there, I'm gonna get in his ear every single opportunity I'm there, so he thinks I do a great job, he's gonna go and tell someone, you know, look, obviously physiotherapy is still a word of mouth, still a networking based, based sort of career, definitely, so I don't think you'd wanna miss those opportunities, but I keep using AFL as an example. I've always done sports training work for AFL teams. I don't love AFL, I enjoy watching it, it's all right, it's not my sport. I grew up playing rugby union, so why was I persisting so long working around AFL clubs when I didn't ever really fully have a passion to go into, you know, doing an AFL-based physiotherapy career? So that would be my, my takeaway message is, unless it's going to you know, give you something on a resume that gets you in front of a person in the direction you want to take, um, then, you know, in that case, you, you might consider doing it for free, even if you have graduated and you are a physio and you've got some experience and there's still opportunities where I think you do that as well and I yeah. do that as well. So I guess we're not saying don't be such a hard ass and never do anything for free, but just have a think about how genuinely it could probably help your career progression and then that's that's going to be a worthwhile thing as opposed to just doing it to maybe get a couple of clients and giving away your professional time which is valuable for free yeah and and so I'll, I'll, I'll probably finish up a little bit on that exact same topic is that there are things that I'll do for free because I, I love them and I enjoy them and so then it's not a chore and a task for me so and and I'm a big believer even if to be fair even now if it's a paid role I'm not really interested in doing sports that I'm not interested in because you do find yourself, you'll always put in more hours than you're being paid for. Um, and if you don't love the sport you're involved in, it, it can be a bit of a grind. So, um, you know, so touching on that, I, I have to, I mean, me personally, I have to sort of love it. Obviously, I, I have a different mindset if I'm being paid for that role. So if you're being paid for that role, you know, you're approaching things a little bit differently. And one of those things is it's a job. So, you know, you have to make every every possible way of being there for every game and training session. If it's a volunteer role and you love it and you really enjoy being a part of it and you can see that it's going to progress you or it's just something that you enjoy, I'm fine with people doing that. But I, I guess the team needs to be aware that you're volunteering. So when your holidays come up, you're not going to be there. You know, when your kids' sport come up, you're not going to be there. And I guess so long as the team is aware of that, that they just can't, you know, expect you to be there all the time if they're not going to pay you. If they're paying you, it's a job. You're there all the time. And it doesn't really matter what, you know, it's whatever the agreed amount upon is. But if, if it's a purely volunteer thing, it's on your terms. It's, it's on you as to how often and, and how much you go there. And and so even though I'm talking about, and we, we're going to, finish on it is that absolutely believe that you should be paid for what you do as your profession if it's something that you love and you love doing it and and it's a real passion of yours then I'm not saying don't volunteer for those roles um, but it, you know I guess when you're volunteering you need to be aware of the frustrations that can occur you know I, would, I wouldn't necessarily be volunteering all the time thinking this is going to make you money in the long run because there'll always be someone else that'll probably either want to volunteer and, and you know do things for less so 
I guess again, we haven't probably given you any hard and fast rules, um, but I, I guess if we summed it up, and, and I think you summed it up really, really well, uh, as a student, you should volunteer as much as you can. Get as much experience as you can. It's a learning experience. You're trying to learn everything that you can. Once you graduate, I would generally say, most of the time you need to get something. You need to be paid something, or there needs to be a direct way that you can financially gain from this involvement. Um, I would strongly recommend that you don't be involved in sports that you don't enjoy, and that would be my bugbear against businesses that say, you know, hire somebody and says, by the way, your three hours is down at the AFL Oval, and you not an AFL person because you won't enjoy it and you'll get annoyed at what you're doing. Um, but if you if you want to volunteer, that's fine. You know, it's like the person who wants to build your house for free. They're hard to find those people. But if you can't I've never heard of that person, but I would like to know them. Yeah, so but there'll probably be people, you know, family members that are happy to do that for you. You know, you'd always volunteer your time as a physio for your own child's team because you're going to be there watching that child. Um, but I wouldn't make a, a habit of volunteering all your time in the hope that it comes back to, to win for you. We're going to sum that up there. Hopefully we've given you a couple, a little bits of advice. Like, again, it's probably touched on a common theme is that I don't think there's a right or a wrong way to do things. There's a, a way that will suit you as an individual and hopefully you can uh, have had a chance to think through a couple of the things that we've spoken about. Like I said, if you do want to talk, have us talk about a topic, um, we, are, we have sort of put some clinical ones down uh, as well that we are going to start to sort of talk on, but we do really want to talk about more the physio and you as an individual and how you can get the most out of your profession. So if there are uh, examples or things you want to talk about, please let us know on the uh, Instagram page. Thank you. Cheers. Howdy folks, it's Nick again. Just a, uh, a small self-indulgent plug for a presentation that I'm doing for the APA online. If you would like to hear about what I call the Good Physio Paradox, a title that actually was coined by my esteemed colleague Josh, um, then it will be on the 10th of September at 7pm. Uh, you can contact the APA or log on to uh, the website to see the details as to how you can get the details to log on to that. It is a two-hour presentation. I guess we're, we're really discussing all the things that we do get taught um, and how there's perhaps some things missing out of our, our learning and education that we can use to not only make us a good clinician, but to get us over that sort of five-year physio depression and, uh, and start to generate some older physios. So if you are interested in that APA talk, it is on the 10th of September at 7 p.m. Head to the APA website uh, to find the details on how you can log on to that presentation.